Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray you had a good Memorial Day weekend. I tell you, we uh, found a video, which many of you may have seen, um, uh, the Star Spangled Banner, as you've not heard it before. It's the story of uh, Francis Scott Key, who wrote that, and the war at the time. It's, I think, truly wonderful how men died to just keep that flag flying. Uh, <clears throat> if you haven't seen it, uh, I bet your your children, you would be very encouraged. Just go to YouTube and type in the Star Spangled Banner. And uh, I think it's fully titled, as you've never heard it before. It's truly, truly wonderful and encouraging. And um, a far cry from people burning our flag today and taking a knee at sports games and all of that. It's so, so beautiful. It's the country I grew up in, um, but um, few of our children know it as such anymore. Truly beautiful. And we are yet in Ascension Tide. Um, we celebrated a first-class feast of the Ascension last Thursday on its official day, but the bishops have moved it to Sunday. So this past Sunday was... Um, the celebration of the Ascension for anyone in the Novus Ordo um, uh, rite. And um, I, I pray it was a beautiful celebration for you. And we are in, all of us, the whole church, in Ascension Tide. There are several major feasts that are tides. They last for a week or they last for a season. And we are in Paschal Tide, still Easter, um, Easter ends this Saturday prior to the Sunday Vigil. The Paschal time ends this set coming Saturday. We have a week left just prior to the Sunday Vigil on Saturday night, or the, I should say the Saturday Vigil, uh, the evening eve of Sunday, which will be Pentecost. And we've been in Paschal time the entire time. And from Ascension, the ascension of our Lord back to his Father for the first time in his human body, because he didn't have a human body when he came um, and uh, overshadowed the Blessed Virgin. And she gave him a human body and a human heart. And so he went back to heaven as 100% God and 100% man. Um, but we are in Ascension Tide from last Thursday or Sunday which would have been the first Sunday after Ascension, um, right until this coming Saturday afternoon prior to the Vigil of Sunday. We are in Ascension Tide. And when Ascension Tide ends on Saturday afternoon, then so does um, the Paschal candle get put out because we've been in Paschal time this whole time. We put out our, the Paschal candles at church or in our homes and um, we begin Pentecost, which is a um, an eight-day first-class octave. So, so, so magnificent. And one of the reasons I wanted to start us off with Ascension Tide is because I have before me uh, the Ascension of Our Lord by Abbot uh, Dom, Prosper, Dom Prosper Garanger from the liturgical year, and he is... Just, it's so beautiful that ascension is not past. The day is past, but the tide, the week, is not. All this week is ascension tide. And I'd love to read it to you. It begins, the sun, S-U-N, the sun of the 40th day has risen in all its splendor. The earth, which shook with gladness at the birth of our Emmanuel, now thrills with a strange emotion. The divine series of the mysteries of the man-God is about to close. Heaven has caught up the joy of the earth. 
the angelic choirs are preparing to receive their promised king, and their princes stand at the gates, that they may open them when the signal is given of the mighty conqueror's approach. Dom Garanger puts scriptures for all he's written throughout this. I'm not stopping to read the scriptures, but this is so beautiful, dear ones. And to raise your children in this um, the sense of the entire liturgical year, where we are in walk, walking with God is so very, very beautiful, akin to what I knew as a child growing up in our Jewish home. We knew where we were in the year. It wasn't just every ordinary time and this day happened and this holiday happened. We knew where we were before the Passover, after the Passover, all of that. And the Catholic Church has simply continued that into its life and life cycle. Dom Gerriger says the holy souls that were liberated from limbo on the morning of the resurrection are hovering around Jerusalem, waiting for the happy moment when heaven's gate, closed by Adam's sin, shall be thrown open, and they shall enter in the company with the Redeemer. A few hours more, and then to heaven. Meanwhile, our risen Jesus has to visit his disciples and bid them farewell, for they are to be left for some years longer in this veil of tears. They are in the cenacle, impatiently waiting his coming, suddenly appears in their midst of the mother's joy who would dare to speak. As to the disciples and the holy women, they fall down and affectionately adore their master who has come to take his leave of them. He deigns to sit down to table with them. He even condescends to eat with them, not indeed to give them proof of his resurrection, for he knows that they have no further doubts of the mystery. But now that he is about to sit at the right hand of the Father, he would give them his endearing mark of familiarity. O admirable repast, in which Mary, for the last time in this world, is seated side by side with her Jesus, and in which the church, represented by the disciples and the holy women, is honored by the visible presidency of her head and spouse. What tongue could describe the respect, the recollected mien, the attention of the guests? With what love must they have riveted their eyes on their dear master? They long to hear him speak, his parting words will be so treasured. He does not keep them long in suspense. He speaks, but his language is not what they perhaps expected it to be. All affection. He begins by reminding them of the incredulity wherewith they heard of his resurrection. He is going to entrust his apostles with the most sublime mission ever given to man. He would therefore prepare them for it by humbling them. A few days hence they are to be lights of the world. The world must believe what they preach, believe it on their word, believe it without having seen, believe what the apostles alone have seen. It is by faith that man approaches his God. They themselves were once without it, and Jesus would have them now express their sorrow for their former incredulity, and thus base their apostolate on humility. Then, assuming a tone of authority, such as none but a God could take, he says to them, Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned." Do you hear that, beloved? Do you hear that? If you're listening, and maybe you've even been baptized, but you don't believe, how do you know if you believe? The, uh, this is my comments, not Dom Garanger. The only way we know if we believe is if we live what we say we believe. If we don't live it, we could say we believe it. We could recite it word for word, as in the creed. But if we don't live it, we do not believe it, and we will not see heaven. John 3.36 says, he who believes um, will be saved. He who does not 
um, obey will be condemned. But in the Greek, believe and obey are the same word. So he who believes will be saved. He who does not believe, that is, who does not obey, will be condemned. Let me continue with Dom Geringer now. And how shall they accomplish this mission of preaching the gospel to the whole world? How shall they persuade men to believe their word? By miracles. And these signs, continues Jesus, shall follow them that believe. In my name, he says, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. He would have miracles to be the foundation of his church, just as he had made them the argument of his own divine mission. The suspension of the laws of nature proves to us that it is God who speaks. We must receive the word and humbly believe it. There's the music, dear ones, for our first break. You are welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free, one 877 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. listening to the station of the cross on your car radio but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area never miss another minute of your favorite show download the iCatholic radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day the iCatholic radio app is available for your phone in the apple store or for your android phone in google play visit the station of the for more information Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm simply thrilled to be with you. And um, we are right in the middle <clears throat> of an article by Don Prosper Garanger on the ascension of our Lord. People say, well, why are you doing that now, Mother? It's past already. Well, we are actually in ascension tide this entire week from last Thursday when it began, although the bishops moved it to Sunday. We are in Passion Tide until Saturday afternoon, just prior to the Sunday vigil. Um, and so we are celebrating the Ascension all week. It's so, so beautiful. I think it's the first time that I realized that when our Lord Jesus returned to the Father uh, to be restored in John 17 before he died, he said, Rest- uh, restore me to the glory that I had with thee before the world began. But before the world began, he did not have a human body. He came to earth without a body and was given a body, took body, took a body, flesh and blood from the Blessed Virgin Mary, who gave him a body, who gave him the ability to suffer. And now he's going back to heaven to his father, but for the first time in his human body, fully God and fully man. And Dob Geringer writes, Here then, we have men unknown to the world. Those are the disciples just about... um, Uh, After our Lord's resurrection, he appears to them, and before he ascends to his Father, we have men unknown to the world and devoid of every human means, and yet commissioned to conquer the earth and make it acknowledge Jesus as its King. You know, dear ones, I think that is... Uh, I'm speaking now. I think you can tell the difference between Dom Garanger's writing and my voice. Um, That is our uh, task today. Those are our marching orders today. We have men unknown to the world. We are unknown to the world and devoid of every human means. 
You are becoming devoid of every human means with the situation in the world, beloved. I'm getting emails from people who are um, can't get food, um, can't pay gas prices, uh, are, are, are afraid, and they're out of work, some of them. Uh, and the disciples had nothing. Um, but it's our job. Um, we are commissioned to preach the gospel now to every creature um, and make it acknowledge Jesus as our king. We can't make that happen, but we can live as if it's true. I cannot imagine any other condition, dear ones, that if we live as if it is true, because it is, and we compromise nothing, and we watch our speech, we're not afraid, because God is our king, and he will make sure we have everything we need. Um, If we live as the world lives, we will have failed in our mission. Now more than ever, we need to preach the gospel always and when necessary or when possible, I will add to that, with words. Um, Speaking about God and not our fear of loss of food. Um, Speaking about the way, the truth, and the life. Um, Dom Geringer says, the world ignores their very existence. Um, In other words, the very existence of the apostles and maybe us too. Tiberius, who sits on the imperial throne now at the time that our Lord ascended to heaven, trembling at every shadow of conspiracy, little suspects that there is being prepared an expedition which is to conquer the Roman Empire. But these warriors must have their armor, and the armor must be of heaven's own tempering. We too, beloved. Jesus tells them that they are to receive it a few days hence, Stay, says he, in the city till ye be endued um, with power from on high. But what is this armor? Jesus explains it to them. He reminds them of the Father's promise. That promise, says he, which ye have heard by my mouth, for John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And we're talking about Pentecost here once. And we are now less than a week away from Pentecost. But the hour of separation has come. Jesus rises. His blessed mother and the 120 persons assembled there prepare to follow him. The cenacle is situated on Mount Mount Zion, which is one of the two hills within the walls of Jerusalem. The holy group traverses the city, making for the eastern gate, which opens on the valley of Jehoshaphat. It is the last time that Jesus walks through the faithless city. He is invisible to the eyes of the people who denied him, but visible to his disciples, and goes before them, as hereto the pillar of the fire led on the Israelites. How beautiful and imposing a sight! Mary, the disciples, and the holy women accompanying Jesus in his heavenward journey, which is to lead them to the right hand of his eternal Father. It was commended, rather commemorated, in the Middle Ages by a solemn procession before the Mass of the Ascension Day. What happy times were those when Christians took delight in honoring every action of our Redeemer. They could not be satisfied as we are with a few vague notions which can produce nothing but an equally vague devotion. And dear ones, Dom Geringer is writing this 200 years ago. How much now? Um, We hardly know. We hardly know what is happening. Our homilies are man-centered, not God-centered. The history of ascension, the full meaning of it is not taught. It is tragic. It's absolutely tragic. Dom Geringer continues, the disciples reflected on the thoughts which Mary must have had during these last moments of her son's presence. They used to ask themselves, which of the two sentiments was uppermost in her maternal heart, sadness, 
that she was to see her Jesus no more or joy, that he was now going to enter into the glory he so infinitely deserved. The answer was soon found, had not Jesus said to his disciples, quote, If ye loved me, ye would indeed be glad, because I go to the Father. End quote. Now, who loved Jesus as Mary did? The mother's heart then was full of joy at parting with him. How was she to think of herself when there was question of the triumph of her son and her God? Could she that had witnessed the scene of Calvary do less than desire to see him glorified, whom she knew to be the sovereign Lord of all things, him whom but a short time ago she had been, she had seen rejected by his people, blasphemed, and dying the most ignominious and cruel of deaths? The holy group has traversed the valley of Jehoshaphat. It has crossed the brook of Cedron. It is moving onward to Mount Olivet. What recollections would crowd on the mind? This torrent, of which Jesus had drunk on the day of his humiliation, is now the path he takes to triumph and glory. The royal prophet had foretold it. On their left are the garden and the cave where he suffered his agony and accepted the bitter chalice of his passion. After having come as far as what St. Luke calls the distance of the journey allowed to the Jews on a Sabbath day, they are close to Bethania, that favored village where Jesus used to accept hospitality. That's Bethany, beloved. Where Jesus used to accept hospitality at the hands of Lazarus and his two sisters. This part of Mount Olivet commands a view of Jerusalem. The sight of its temple and palaces make the disciples proud of their earthly city. They have forgotten the curse uttered against her. They seem to have forgotten, too, that Jesus has just made them citizens and conquerors of the whole world. They begin to dream of the earthly grandeur of Jerusalem. And turning to their divine master, they venture to ask him this question, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Beloved, that's all that the Jews knew, that when Messiah came, he's the hope and consolation of Israel, that he would set up an earthly kingdom and rule and reign. They were expecting that. The Old Testament prophecies do speak of two comings, but the Orthodox Jews who read that um, have come to believe, many of them, that there are two messiahs because the Old Testament speaks, especially Isaiah 53, of a suffering servant and a reigning king. And so they conclude, many have, that, um, uh, let me see, the Messiah, um, son of Joseph, Ben Yaakov, um, is the suffering Messiah, and that um, Messiah, Ben David, the son of David, is the reigning Messiah. And most of the scriptures speak of the reigning Messiah. So... They were slaves to the Romans, and they were not looking for more suffering. They were looking for the Messiah to come and free them and set up their kingdom, not because they were earthly-minded, but because they were heavenly-minded. And the new Jerusalem will be heaven on earth. Um, And so they're looking at the situation, and everything that's prophesied was done. They didn't realize that he had to die. But he rose from the dead, and now, now, Lord, we got it. Are you going to set up your kingdom? And Jesus answered them with a tone of severity. It is not for you to know the times or moments which the Father hath put in his own power. These words do not destroy the hope that Jerusalem is to be restored by the Christian Israel, by the Messiah. 
But as this is not to happen till the world is drawing toward its end, there is nothing that requires our Savior's revealing the secret. What ought to be uppermost in the mind of the disciples is the conversion of the pagan world, the establishment of the church. Well, how could Dom Garanger say that? What ought to be uppermost in the mind of the disciples is the conversion of the pagan world and the establishment of the church. How could he say that? Um, they couldn't tell the future, no. But back in Isaiah 49 and I think 43, um, God told them that they would be a light to the nations. Israel was to be God's instrument to the entire world. And they failed. They did not have the indwelling spirit in them as we do. And it wasn't until Pentecost that God said, Now, when the Spirit comes, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's what's going to happen next Sunday because they were finally given the power to live out the mission that they had for hundreds of years. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live, and you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Our lines are open. I won't continue to read um, through the entire article by Dom Garanger on the Ascension because it's lengthy, and I want to be able to take your calls and your texts and your emails. Um, our toll-free number is one 877 511 5483 or email at mother at And let me just um, remind you that June 11th, for those who can and wish, um, will be the Men's March. Um, and you could go to the mensmarch.com uh, for full information. It's going to be June 11th in uh, Tallahassee. It's actually, I think, Jim Havens at that. Dear Saint, um, who many of you know and love, um, we all know and love him, um, is behind this. And I think uh, the Men's March, the idea of it um, for the dignity of life um, is so, so very, very wonderful. Absolutely wonderful to see men. And I think the men are being encouraged to walk in suits and ties with their sons. Just an absolute fabulous picture so if you can go um it's june 11th in tallahassee uh, the com, and i have a note here that for updates you can text men's march all capital one word uh all caps one word men's march to 22828 how's that men's march 22828 I don't text like that, so I hope I said it correctly. Um, we have an email from last week from Emmy. Um, and Emmy, uh, if you were with us last week, I did read it. It has to do with the uh, status of the SSPX. Um, and uh, I said last week that my own position, um, I, I only look to see what Cardinal Raymond Burke uh, has said. And as of last year, May, I think, of 2021, uh, his position is that they are still in schism. I've uh, read many, many uh, things since then. I've been uh, sent a number of things on the status of the SSPX um, 
from some who uh, set out to prove that they're not in schism, that they were never in schism, really, uh, officially by its definition, but just that they're in irregular standing. So, Emmy, uh, I will say, as with Fatima, I don't know. Um, I don't know, but I am um, in the process of um, contacting um, who I think is an outstanding canon lawyer, um, and um, I'm not going to let this question go. Um, I'm going to get back to you. So I'm keeping your email here, Emmy, and hopefully uh, we'll have a, a more definitive answer um, by the end of the week. They're definitely an irregular, irregular standing. What that means, I'm not sure. Again, um, I don't know if they're schismatic uh, because of so much that has happened with them and what Pope Francis has allowed. Their sacraments are certainly valid. Um, so, Emmy, I'm going to keep your, your email up, and um, uh, I'm in the process of uh, trying to get a, a more um, definitive uh, authoritative response to that. Um, what are the good sisters for Nicholas asks of the Carmelite order to do now that the Holy Father said they are not allowed to follow the founder's constitution? I don't know if they, Nicholas, it's another thing I'm going to continue to follow. I don't know if they fully worked that out. It's utterly, utterly tragic what has happened to them. Um, I don't know if it's even legitimate what has been, I doubt it's legitimate what has been done to them, but what they're able to do and what they uh, plan to do, uh, I I don't know. I don't know, but I I have to rely on news reports uh, of those who are in touch with them. So I'll keep your your Facebook message up as well, Nicholas, on my screen, because I think it's important that we pray for them very much. They are as outstanding as, I think, um, a women's order, totally cloistered. They don't use electricity. They don't use anything. They totally follow St. Teresa of Avila and, um, and their constitutions. For them to be shut down is, is absolutely tragic. Um, okay, let me um, uh, take a, a Facebook message, message from Joe, and let me remind you again, dear ones, that uh, the, the heart of the matter is always the matter of your heart, not our subject. So if you have anything on your heart, um, feel free to call in anonymously or with your name or uh, with whatever your subject is, toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Joe on Facebook says, Hi, Mother. I love your honesty and enjoy your show on Facebook. I have a few questions for you. <clears throat> Number one, what do you think about the rapture of the church? I'm an old-fashioned Catholic. I still like the Latin Mass. And Joe has... Four more questions, so let me take one at a time. Um, Catholics, do Catholics believe in the rapture? Absolutely. Um, There are several positions uh, throughout the Christian world, mostly the Protestant world and the rapture. Uh, The millennium, um, post-millennialism, amillennialism, premillennialism, that's what I grew up in as an evangelical. I'm not going to go through and and define all those terms, um, you can go to a wonderful site, catholic.com, and just type in, in their search box, The Rapture, and you'll find an excellent article on The Rapture. Um, uh, premillennialism is the main position of the evangelical Protestants. The Catholic um, believe that um, that the event of our gathering, I'm going to read right from the conclusion of this article on Catholic.com, Catholics believe that the event of our gathering together to be with Christ will take place, even though they don't generally use the word rapture to refer, refer to this event. Um, and um, But the word rapture is derived from the Latin vulcate. It's 1 Corinthians 4.17, which says that we will be caught up with the Lord. 
and caught up is the idea of rapture. And in Latin, it is rapture. Uh, Rapiemur. I, I can't pronounce that, but R-A-P-I-E-M-U-R. Um, and uh, let me just read this conclusion from the Catholic Answers article. Many spend much time looking for signs in the heavens and in the headlines. This is especially true of premillennialists who anxiously await the tribulation because it will inaugurate the rapture in millennium. A more, they, this is their belief. But a more balanced perspective is given by St. Peter, who writes, quote, this is Second Peter 3, verses 18 to 14, and this is the answer. Is there a rapture? Yes. Will we be caught up in the air with our Lord? Yes. When will it be? We don't know. Peter says this, Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. But according to his promise, we wait for a new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you wait for these, be zealous to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. I recall at the time of Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, talking about the fact that we'd be caught up in the air with the Lord. People were packing their bags. It says so in the scriptures, verse Thessalonians. They're packing their bags and they're standing on their roofs waiting for the rapture. And and Paul says to them, would you please get down and get to work? We are to work while it's yet day. We don't know when Jesus is going to come. It could be today, could be tomorrow, could be a thousand years from now. We will be caught up with him in the air, but we do not know. Um, and those who think that Jesus will come and take a select few um, and leave the rest on earth, really believe in a third coming, not a second coming. Um, he came as an infant. He's not going to come again uh, to rapture true believers out of the earth and then come a third time, which we call the second coming. No, we will all be caught up with him um, in the air, and um, and the end times will work itself out. Um, there's a very good book, um, uh, will Catholics be left behind? You can go to catholic.com, look in their shop, and type in rapture in the shop, and you will see all kinds of good, good materials um, concerning the truth of the rapture and the Catholic position, which is the only true position, <clears throat> because it's what God gave his church through the apostles. It's the apostles that gave us the scriptures. Um, the church did not come from the scriptures. The scriptures came from the church, from the authors of the New Testament and the old. Um, let's see now. Joe says, how did you know your calling? Well, there, Joe, I can't, that's a hard question. My calling, um, I'll, I'll just tell you very, um, try to be brief about it. But since I'm alive and growing up in my Jewish home, um, since I'm 10 years old, I wondered why God was on the earth, rather why man was on the earth. And we grew up in a conservative Jewish home and we believed in God. And, and we sat down every Passover waiting for Messiah. I won't go through all that now. But I have an older brother and a younger sister and I, I, I cannot speak for them but I can only speak for myself that I didn't know why mankind was on the earth. And no one could tell me, no one and nothing could tell me that. And so life for me was meaningless. Um, uh, Mike, are you there? Is all well? Okay. I don't know what just happened. Um, I can't hear you, Mike. I'm not able to hear. I don't know if we're still on the air. Um, okay, good. Thank you. Um, I guess we are. I don't know what happened to the screen. Uh, my, oh, it's frozen. Okay. Let me reconnect, beloved, and see if we can um, reconnect that screen. I don't know what happened. Um, something happened uh, with the Internet. Um, we'll, we'll try to get you back. But um, in any case, let me just continue this. Um, 
we'll have a, a break coming up soon. We'll try to reconnect. Um, but again, I didn't know why mankind was on the earth, and uh, uh, Joe and I had no reason to live. I was very successful in business. I had three marriage proposals, but I never married because I thought um, if I don't have the answer to that, there isn't a human being that could fill the need of my heart. And finally, at age 32, a month before my 33rd birthday, uh, through the Jews for Jesus organization, I came to believe that God exists and that he became man and that he died for our sins, rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him. I gave my life to him and was baptized, and I was a new creation on earth. I was a Martian on planet earth. And from that point on, um, the, my only reason to live, I didn't know it was a calling, I didn't think of it that, but why would I live for anybody else or anything else but the God who loved me and gave himself for me, who created me and gave me a reason to live? What else is there to live for? Nothing on this earth. It's all passing. So from that point on, I only wanted to live for God. I became a jail chaplain for women. I, I taught at the church. I went to seminary. Uh, and I tried to save Catholics, by the way, and blessed be God, um, he led me into the fulfillment of Judaism and the full measure of Christianity uh, in the Catholic Church. And I knew if I became Catholic, the only thing I wanted to be was a sign to God in the world. And the only way I knew I could do that was to wear a habit and be a religious. That's the beginning of the story. The end of the story is that our blessed Lord has allowed me to found Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's hope, because the hope of Israel is the Messiah, who's the hope of the entire world. That is the story in a nutshell. Joe, we'll be right back. Uh, don't go away, everyone. Are you holding on to an old car or truck because you think dealers won't want it? Then consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is a great way to turn your unvalued vehicle into a powerful gift for Catholic Radio. You'll be taking part in our evangelization efforts to continue spreading Christ's love throughout the world. Our Lord uses Catholic Radio to draw more people to Himself, and one of the best ways to support the Station of the Cross is by contributing to our vehicle donation program. The process is safe and simple. Your generosity will greatly benefit our mission to bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners. To find out more or to donate your vehicle today, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's the station of the cross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a little more than 10 minutes. It's our last segment. Still time for you to call in. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. I'm just going to finish um, this email, Facebook message from Joe, and then we'll take your calls. Um, Joe had a few, several questions. The next one is, do you think the Fatima message was completed, such as the consecration of Russia by the Pope? Joe, dear, I've spoken about this before, and my answer is, I don't know. Because even though Pope Francis uh, made the consecration, um, it was quite late after Russia has already spread all her errors. And... Um, also was not done in union with all the bishops of the world. They were invited to join him, but they weren't, all the bishops were not asked to join him, and they all did not join him. So I don't know whether or not, there's all kinds of takes on whether that was accepted by Our Lady. I do not know that. 
Joe says, do you read the book of Revelation? Of course, Joe. I believe we're living it right now. Um, And then he finally says, please pray for me to find the right place to live and to walk in the footsteps of our Lord. I'm very grateful, Joe. Bless you, Joe. We will pray for you. We pray for every single one of our listeners, those who write in, those who call in, those who text. Um, Yes, Joe, we certainly will pray for you. This is a, a rough time for many, many people. We have a call from Darlene in Michigan. Hi, Darlene. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? I love you so much. Mother oh, Mary, I'm so, I'm so, oh my God. Darlene, hold, hold on, sweetheart. Are you outside with a cell phone or something? Yeah. There's it, a lot. Where are you? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It's really, um. Where are you, Diane? Are, are you simply outside? Are you driving? Are you standing? What are you doing? I am bowed down to you. Are you standing? You're not driving, are you? No, ma'am. All right, sweetheart. Let's give it a try. It's, it's, there's a lot of, I hear all the air, which is how I knew you were outside. But let's give it a try and see if we can talk this way. Go ahead, honey. You know, I, I, I've never been Catholic. I, I've, I've always been, well, I, I don't believe in organized religion. Mm-hmm. But you, my friend, have touched me more than anyone else has ever touched me. Mm. Well, let's thank God, sweetheart, that through the Internet, through the phone, through this incredible technology, we could could help one another. Blessed be God for that, darling. Let me tell you something. I, I was a runaway, okay? Mm-hmm. And they put me in a Catholic, <laughs> in a Catholic A Catholic institution of some kind? Catholic yes, home? Yes, ma'am. And, you know, <laughs> these Catholic women, oh, my gosh. Good or bad? Oh, my Lord. They hit my knuckles with, <laughs> with, uh. Oh, no. Know. Those rulers? Oh, they beat me. Oh, Darlene, I am so, so sorry. You know, sweetheart, I'm going to interrupt you to say I have heard that story over and over again. It breaks my heart. And so I tell people that we're going to make our rulers out of sponge. Mother Andrew, wait a minute. Mother Andrew, Uh, she took me in her arms. Mm-hmm. She took me her arms and said, Darlene, you don't deserve this. Good. She d- she's right. Good, sweetheart. Mother Andrew died while I was in uh, custody. And I ran okay. away from that okay. piece of garbage. I, I ran away from there, and nobody has ever run away from there before. Okay. Never. Well, thank God you were able Never. to get out, Darlene. How old were oh, you? Oh, God, God took me out of yes. that place. God Good. took me out of there. Bless his name. Okay. How old were you, sweetheart, at the time? Fourteen. Okay. And I ran to a lady's house, and... And I told her, I said, you know, and I lied, okay? I said, my, my, my car just caught on fire. Um, can you help me uh, to get back to Pontiac? And she said, oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I, can, I lied to her. Man, I'm so sorry I lied to her. 
Well, you were desperate. Um, I've never heard anyone say my car caught on fire. That was quite stark. <laughs> oh, my so gosh. So she, she, she helped you get back to Pontiac? She took me back to Pontiac, and yeah. I her and I said, I'm so sorry I lied to you. She said, what are you talking about? I said, well, my car didn't explode, and I, I, I just needed to come back to Pontiac so that I could get green from the garbage. Right, right. It's a good thing you told her that, Darlene. That's a good thing you told her that. I hugged her, and she, she was very adamant about hugging me. Good. But I hugged her, and I said, I'm so sorry I lied to you. I, I'm so sorry I lied to you. Darlene, honey bunch, that's when you were 14. Um, you're older now. I am 65. I can hardly now. hear you, sweetie. Are you talking? I am. Are you to- I am. Go ahead. I am 65 now, and I cannot get past that. I want to tell you, Darlene, I know we won't have a lot of time right now. We've got two minutes left to the program. But there are millions of people that cannot get past the damage done to them of their childhood. Millions of people. You're almost, it's, it's not abnormal, it's normal. What happens to us in our childhood could color our entire life. I understand that, well, sweetheart. I, I have raised three beautiful children. Wow. Children. Did you say you've raised three beautiful children? I raised three beautiful children. And they are... Oh, my gosh. Well, that's... Uh, you know, God has given me more than I could ever, ever explain. Bless his name. Darlene, sweetheart, are you still there? Yes, ma'am. Darlene, you you hear that music. I'm so sorry. It's the end of the program. We have 15 seconds. Would you call in again tomorrow? Yes, ma'am. And we'll continue? Yes, ma'am. All right, sweetheart. I'll look for your call tomorrow, Darlene. God bless you, sweetheart. And I bless him with you for his bringing you out of such a tragic life. God bless you. You too, sweetheart. Okay, we'll speak with you tomorrow. We'll speak with all of you tomorrow. All right. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Station of the Cross.com, a listener-funded nonprofit organization. If this podcast has helped you in your spiritual journey, please prayerfully consider donating at thestationofthecross.com by calling 1-877-888-6279 or through our free iCatholic Radio mobile app.